1: Hi, awesomes. Well, you guys, you know that I love it and I know you love it when our books and reading regular Katie Proctor is here to talk about books. Hello, Katie Proctor. How are you? Hi, Meg. I'm great. Spring break is great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You've been enjoying some time away and have fit this into your schedule to sit down with me. And talk about books, which I know is not really that big of an ask for you, right? Oh, no, it's my
0: favorite thing to do ever. So (laughs) happy to be here.
1: Yes. Well, as we are recording, we are wrapping up middle grade March. It's a month that many readers of all ages devote to reading and discussing middle grade books. So we know that you all probably won't hear this conversation until April, but that's okay because middle grade books deserve the hype every month of the year. Right, Katie? Yes, they do. (laughs) They add so much to our bookish life, I think. Yes, they really do. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But if you have listened to my other conversations with Katie here on Sort of Awesome, you know that one of the things that Katie and I have in common is that we both love middle grade literature. We both have been classroom teachers. Katie currently is a classroom teacher. And so this hits where you are on the daily, right,
0: Katie? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And lots of the books I brought today are ones that I have been reading with my students. Oh,
1: good. I love that. I love that. So Katie also is a middle grade author, has two middle grade books. Remind us of those titles, Katie.
0: Yes. My Storied Year is the first one that was published and then Hand in Hand was the second one.
1: Yes. And so we definitely will have links in the show notes. We've talked about them in the past. They are fantastic. Katie not only understands the middle grade reader as somebody who teaches them, but you really, you translate that understanding of that age group so well into the written word and into your storytelling. So thank you, Meg. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, we thought it would be really fun to take some time, even though Katie and I have talked about different middle grade picks that we have loved through the years on various episodes here on Sort of Awesome. We thought it'd be really good to have like a sort of just conversation that's really devoted to some of our very favorite middle grade picks. Each of us have brought five of our favorites for a total of 10 this could never be an exhaustive list. Katie, I don't know about you, but even as I was like typing up my notes, I was like, Ooh, wait, do I want to go with this one? Maybe I should put this one out there.
0: It's so hard to pick just five. <laughs> it was hard. And honestly, I had to think about other ones that I've talked about and gushed about here before. And I was like, I can't use those ones. So I had to, you know, <laughs> use different ones, but I think we both came up with great lists. So I can't wait to talk about them.
1: It's going to be so great. We're going to be talking all things, middle grade, not just why this is such a great genre for middle grade readers, but why adults love to read middle grade too. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you've been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you no matter what age or stage of life you are in, I am so thrilled to tell you that you've come to the right place. And if you're enjoying Sorta Awesome, please make sure you have subscribed to the show so you never miss a new episode. Also, if you love what we are doing here on the show, pop on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. You guys, we get new members in our community all the time who tell us that they found sort of awesome via Apple Podcasts. So believe it or not, those reviews and they and those ratings, they really do help other people to find the show. So like Katie and I said, we have put together a list of 10 middle grade books that we think that you should know about. These are some of our very favorites. Some of them are brand new releases. Some of them go way back in time. So we have a lot of book discussion coming up ahead. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. Awesome of the Week is that moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little bit more awesome right now. Whether it's a book or a TV show, a website, a product, a podcast, whatever is bringing a little extra sparkle to our days. That's what we talk about in Awesome of the Week. Katie, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so totally on brand, but I'm
0: bringing a book for Osmo the week. And (laughs) since it's not middle grade, I thought I'd squeeze it in here. Yes, this one is young adult. And it's called all my rage by Saba Tahir. And she wrote one of my favorite YA fantasy series of all times that started with the an ember in the ashes. But this one, okay, yeah, that one has four books. It's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. This one is contemporary fiction, which I am like so impressed that someone can, you know, write this whole fantasy world and then come back to regular life and write a contemporary fiction that is amazing. This one is very hard hitting and raw and dark. I mean, there's trigger warnings for death and drug abuse and child abuse and all kinds Mm. of things. But I think she does it in a way that's really accessible for teenagers. Okay. Especially like older ones. Mm. So this story tells the story of Salahuddin and Noor. They are Pakistani teenagers. Sal's family owns this motel. They live in a tiny town in California. And then something happens with his mom and his dad is an alcoholic and cannot get it together. Mm. And Sal and Noor, they're best friends, but they had some kind of falling out that you find out about and okay. then this issue with his mom brings them kind of back together. And uh, so Nora's living with this uncle who's pretty awful, but he saved her from this fire in Pakistan that killed her entire family. So she oh, feels like she has to stay with him. So just watching their relationship grow and all the things that they kind of go through together. It's amazing. Also interwoven with that is Sal's mom's story backing all the way up to her marriage in Pakistan and how oh, wow. they came to America so you get to hear her voice. I actually listened to this one on audio
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there was a full cast. So you got, <gasps> you know, Ugh. mom's perspective yes. from a different voice, Sal's perspective, Noor's perspective. And it was So well done. Mm. I listened to it in a single day. (laughs) Like, whoa, could not stop because I was like, I need to find out what happens to these two. Yeah. I just loved it so much. And I actually just got the paper copy because I needed to have it so that I could go find the lines that I loved so much and needed to have in my life. So it's very good. It's called All My Rage. It's brand new, just
1: came out in March of 2022. And it's fantastic. Oh my goodness. First of all, I love a full cast recording of an audiobook. I feel like a little more unusual because it's a more costly mm-hmm. production to put on for sure. But some books just call for that. They call for bringing in yeah. all of these different voices. And this sounds absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for bringing that for us. And we will definitely yeah. have links in the show notes for all of that. Okay, well, my awesome of the week this week is a company that I had never heard of until recently. Some of you all may have heard of them. It's called goldbelly.com. Okay. And what they do is they act as a kind of way that you can order food, mostly food, but other little food adjacent products, I guess you could say, and ship them all across the country. And that really is a great way to support small businesses these mm-hmm. small creators of things and also support people in your life. So last month when my mother passed away, obviously we were supported in so many ways. And the biggest way was with food, Yes, <laughs> <which> <laughs> always is so helpful. Mm-hmm. But we actually got a delivery via Gold Belly from our podcast network from Cloud oh. 10, which was so thoughtful and so meaningful to me. They sent us a deli dinner from Liebman's kosher deli in the Bronx wow oh my gosh Katie it was dreamy to have this real authentic kosher deli food right here in Oklahoma City Kyle and I could not get over it it was like this corned beef and pastrami we were like we've eaten a lot a lot of deli meat in our life I've never had anything as absolutely dreamy as that was from Liebman's deli it was so good That sounds amazing. Yes. And so that's just one example. You can, oh my gosh, I was looking around their website. Again, I was not familiar with this company, but they really know what they are doing. You can send meals for various holidays. Like right now, obviously they're featuring Easter, Mm -hmm. but part of the website and what they do that I want to highlight is their care packages. You can send them to people for a variety of different things. You know, maybe there's a college student who's feeling a little homesick. You could send them, a little cookie collection to kind of make their day. I know when I was in college, I was always (laughs) the care package, right? (laughs) Send me all the things in college. Totally. If somebody has a new baby or if they have had a death in the family, or if for example, maybe there's newlyweds and you can't make it to the wedding, but you want to send them a little care package to say, you know, congrats. And here's a little special meal on me. They have everything from, like I said, cookies and ice creams, sweet treats, those types of things. I noticed that Texas Tamale Company has a tamale mm. party pack, which Yum. I figured that you might also think yeah. is delicious. <laughs> they have ones that are special for like new baby gifts. Oh my gosh, there's pizza. There's anything oh. that you can think of, barbecue, all different kinds of care packages that you can send. I will say the price point is kind of like in the $50 to $100 category for the most part. Now there's some that are less, some that are more, But that's kind of the price range that you would be looking at. But if you want to send a special gift, if you want to let somebody know that you care via food, which is always helpful, I love what they are doing at Gold Belly. And again, this would not have been on my radar except for Cloud 10 sending us that wonderful gift. So That's so sweet. How do they get the food to you so it's fresh? Yeah, it's all packed in with ice packs or like, Um, ice pack sounds a little bit too like dry ice. (laughs) Yes. Dry ice, whatever is needed to keep it fresh on the way that it's all packed in there. And then they ship it overnight. Oh, wow. So when it gets to you you know, that deli in the Bronx had packed it up and and put the label on it. And then it was here like the next day. That's awesome. Absolutely. And whatever it is that you're sending, it's going to get to people nice and fresh. And truly, truly, when you have a big event in life, or even like I said, if it's maybe a college kid or just somebody that needs a little pick me up, food is such a universal way Mm -hmm. to show somebody that you care. So I just had to point that out because I know the awesomes. We are often talking in our community, especially in the Hangout, like, how can I support this person who's going through this? A lot of times, food is suggested but if you're not close by it can be a little tricky so mm-hmm. I this love is perfect doing, i love it yes love it. so great so great so those are our awesomes of the week again we will have links in the show notes if you guys want to go check those out as well and we always love to hear what is awesome in your life so many times the things that you share as your awesome of the week ends up being a total life changer for somebody here is sort of awesome so Come and find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show to tell us what's awesome in your life right now. Or we would love to have you join us in our hangout group on Facebook, Sorta Awesome Hangout. We have so many people that are just there daily supporting each other, problem solving, troubleshooting, encouraging, affirming. It's my favorite place to be, Katie. And I know you enjoy it. I love it too. Yes. So come and find us, tell us what's awesome in your week. Katie and I have so much To talk about when it comes to these middle grade books that we love and why we love them. And we're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Okay, awesomes, as you all know, there are some things I'm a little bit neurotic about, but I've overcome my irrational fear of going to the hairdresser. I've overcome my irrational distaste for touching raw chicken. And now I'm thrilled to share that I have overcome my irrational phobia of having painted nails and it's all because of Olive and June. Now, it's a long-running joke here on the show that I have avoided painting my nails because I felt like they couldn't breathe, but co-host Rebecca's enthusiasm for Olive and June's system Finally convinced me, and I'm here to tell you, I totally get it. I am obsessed with the Olive and June Manny system. As someone who has been nail painting averse for so long, I didn't have any of the right tools to do my nails. When I opened up their Manny system box, it was like angels started singing. Nail buffer, check. Cuticle serum check the poppy the poppy is the game changer you guys even an absolute beginner like me can do a professional looking manicure at home without it looking like my toddler painted my nails and it's all because of that magical poppy and the moment i start feeling like my nails can't breathe i just dip them in the olive and june brilliant little nail polish remover pot and my nails are back to natural in minutes And then I start on a new mani the next day. That's why I suggest getting the Olive and June Mani System with six polishes because, you guys, it breaks down to just $2 a manicure. Getting beautiful salon-perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com slash awesome for 20% off of your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash A-W-E-S-O-M-E for 20% off of your first Manny system friends, I have to tell you about an amazing new service I found called FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite things, from art prints and posters to the travel photos that are just sitting there on your phone. With Mother's Day around the corner, FrameBridge also makes the perfect gift. In fact, select gifts ship next day. So here's how it works. You just go to framebridge.com and you can upload your photo there, or they'll even send you packaging so you can safely mail in your physical pieces. You can preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Then the experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door. It's all ready to hang. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus you awesomes are going to get 15% off of your first order at framebridge.com when you use code Awesome. Now, you know that those of us who are moms are constantly thinking of others. Well, FrameBridge is a fantastic way to show a mom in your life that you're thinking of her with a beautiful gift. I love my pieces from Framebridge and I'm picking out a new one to showcase a favorite sunset photo for myself for Mother's Day this year. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code awesome to save an additional 15% off of your first order. Just go to framebridge.com promo code awesome, framebridge.com promo code awesome. Okay, Katie, we do have some great book selections to share with the awesomes. Some books that we absolutely think need to be on your radar. Many of these, maybe you all have already read, but before we get into talking about the books, maybe introducing you to some new ones, helping you revisit some old ones, let's talk a little bit, because here we are, we're grown women and though you're a teacher and I'm a former teacher, so we have maybe a little bit more opportunity to be aware of what's out there that's great for kids and books. There is a not small number of adults who are not in education at all who love to read middle grade books. Tell me a little bit of your thoughts on why adults get so into middle grade reading.
0: So my first thought when I wrote this in all caps on my notes is that they are filled with hope, even oh. if they're hard stories. And even if, you know, people die and things happen that are scary and sad, there is that thread of hope. I don't think I've ever read a middle grade book that just ended on yes. everything is hopeless. The world is going to end now. Right. I feel like there's always that little bit of even if the kid has gone through some really tough stuff, there's always that little glimmer of hope. Someone loves you. You know, there is some good that comes out of these stories. So that's the biggest reason that I love to read it. Another thing I thought of too is that the vocabulary is written for children mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's a little bit lower of a level of vocabulary which means that your brain isn't having to work so hard for to like sure decipher what authors are trying to say and so yes. you get to just kind of live in the story and mm-hmm. you don't have to think incredibly difficultly about incredibly deeply about what the language is but you get to right. just live in that story so i love that part yeah and then another thing is you know we both have kids and they all are readers and so just having that knowledge of what books are out there right now and what is, you know, people are loving and what's popular that you can bring home to your kids and say, hey, I want you to read this one or hey, let's read this one together. together. You know, just having those, yeah. the knowledge of those books that are out there that you can bring home and to give to your kids and is great. So, and I, I love sharing books with my kids. I love reading them, especially when there's a little bit more of a difficult scene. You want to read those with your yes. kids so you can have those conversations and do that. So those are my top reasons that I love to read middle grade. I'm sure I could come up with a million more, but what
1: about well, you? Yeah, I'm going to, first of all, absolutely co-sign all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that they're great for reading with kids. Oftentimes I think middle grade books are such great read aloud books. Mm-hmm. And so if in your family, if you do have reading time together, if you are encouraging a reluctant reader by reading to them, middle grade books, it just seems like they just really fit in that spot of being really, you know, obviously most adults have the capacity to read more complicated, like sentence structure, whatever, but sometimes it doesn't always translate Mm -hmm. when it's a little bit higher level, like you were saying, higher level of complexity of language. Middle grade is in that sweet spot of being able to, you can process it quickly, but you can also read it pretty easily. So yeah, I love a read aloud. I have found- that middle grade books are so imaginative. They're often so descriptive. They really know how to draw in and hold the reader's attention. Mm-hmm. Sometimes adult books, contemporary literature, literary fiction, certainly look, sometimes authors can be a little in love with their writing, which I don't blame them because they're very talented. Yeah. Then what happens is sometimes you get these long sections of exposition or like entire chapters that kind of feel like a slog, but you're a grown up and you're like, okay, I'm gonna keep reading, I'm gonna get through it. With middle grade readers, you don't really have that luxury. No, cause they're not gonna stick with it. They're uh-uh. just gonna put it down. <laughs> they will put it down, they will walk away, they will pick up a screen, whatever. And so writers who are authors who are writing for that middle grade reader, they know that they have to draw that reader in quickly. And so I think that helps us to understand why middle grade books are such fast-paced, really engrossing reads. They bring you into the world, whatever world it is, whether it's realistic or fantasy or whatever, they bring you in right away because they know they don't have Mm -hmm. much time. And so they want to get you from the start. And I find that the pacing in middle grade books really follows along that arc where you get into it. You don't want to put it down. You want one more chapter. I can remember reading these out loud. Some of these that we're going to talk about when I was teaching and having kids be like, one more chapter, one more chapter, Mm -hmm. please. Can we do one more chapter? Because they are written in a way that just keeps the kid just turning those pages, which is so great. And something that you kind of touched on that we will definitely be talking about. I'm confident through discussing some of these favorites of ours is Middle grade books often deal with difficult issues, dark issues, weighty issues in ways that are really imaginative and help mm-hmm. build empathy. And I think this is a thing that we're going to see over and over in the books that we've selected. This is such a prime time and you and I know from teaching this age group, this is such a prime time to help guide kids into understanding people outside of themselves and outside of their own experiences. And for kids who maybe live in communities that are a little bit more homogenous, that, you know, kind of everyone's the same, books allow us to have insight into worlds and experiences and points of view and perspectives far beyond what we might have in our own growing up years. That was the case for me. I grew up in small towns in Oklahoma. There was very little diversity. There was often socioeconomic diversity but in terms of an experience of America outside of a small town, white understanding of the world, I never really got to experience that. But through books, mm-hmm. I was introduced to people and places that I might never, you know, meet or go to, but allowed me to begin to understand how this world, you know, what it looks like for people outside of my experience. In that middle school, I see it so, I have now a upperclassman in high school, but finishing up eighth grader and to see how deeply she's impacted by seeing things from other people's points of view is really inspiring. So, and I think books do a great job with that.
0: I'd love that. I also think that as an adult, like as a mom reading middle grade, I have noticed in a tendency in myself to really notice how the kids in the books react to things that their parents do or say or their teachers, especially because there's a lot of books where teachers are just the worst. (laughs) But that helps me to put myself in the kids place. And, you know, as an adult, like as I'm saying these things to my students or my own children, how is that really impacting them and how, you know, internally are they processing that? Which I think these authors do such a great job of really getting into that mindset of a kid and remembering what it's like to be a kid and how those things that we may say that are just like offhand and not very thoughtful, how that really impacts them. And so that has helped me as an adult person relate to kids better too. So on that same vein.
1: Yeah. And I know that you and I have talked about this and I think we were inspired by Katie and Meredith at currently reading podcasts, because I know I've heard them say this too, that for adult readers, if you're in a reading slump, if you feel like, Mm -hmm. I haven't read good fiction in a long time, or I just don't even want to pick up a book that a middle grade book can help you bust out of that reading slump because they are often so fast paced mm-hmm. and filled with such strong characterization and sense of place and imagination that it can help you to be like, oh, I do love reading. And you can, you know, you get that sense of accomplishment of being like, I sat down and read a book in like two days. <laughs> yes. And they're also really good palate cleansers. So if you get
0: off of like, yes. a little, like gritty true crime or thriller mm-hmm. or something, and you're like, I just need some, you know, sunshine rainbows for a little bit. Middle grade is a good thing to pick up.
1: Right. Because to go back to your original point, they are often built around some thread of hope. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, if you're coming off of reading something else that you're just like, well, now everything's terrible and I hate (laughs) the world, (laughs) you can pick up a middle grade book that will help balance that out for you for sure. Yes. Okay. So those are some of the reasons that we love them as adults, as moms, as people that not only interact with middle grade people, you know, just like as students or as kids, whatever, but that we enjoy them for our own personal reading selection. So Katie, let's just go ahead and get right into our list. Tell me about the first book on your list. Okay, so this
0: one was a book that was published in 1996. So I was 10 Okay. And I read this book probably, you know, five or six times in my life. And now as an adult, I've read it again and it absolutely still holds up. So I had to bring it today. Yeah. And it's called a Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech. Okay. And it won a Newbery either medal or honor. I didn't look that up, but it tells the story of Sal who she's on a road trip with her grandparents. They ask her to tell them a story to kind of keep their minds busy. And so she goes into this whole story about this girl at school named Phoebe Winterbottom. And her mom has disappeared and there's a lunatic man and there's this whole thread that's happening. But then as she's telling us the story of Phoebe, we're also seeing the story of herself and her Mm. history and her family and what's going on with that. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I read voraciously as a kid, I read every single babysitter's novel that ever came out. Yeah. You know, boxcar children, those things. But this book for me was the first book. I think that I read on my own that I thought, you know, you know, Books can be about really important things. Like Babysitters oh. Club isn't, you know, they have their reason. Like we yeah. get to be readers and we love them and they're enjoyable. But this book for me was wow, kids can talk about hard things yes. and they can do it in a way that made me laugh and made me cry and made me want to come back and just live in her world over and over and over again. Yeah. This is one that actually a kid from my class just picked it up the day before spring break. And I was like, oh my gosh, I tried not to get too quick. Like, oh my yeah. gosh, you're going to
1: read this. <laughs> but I was like,
0: uh, that's one of my favorite books of all times. And so I actually ended up giving her another one written by Sharon Creech that I'm going to sneak in here too, because it's called absolutely normal chaos. And it took one of the characters from Walk Two Moons and gave her her own story. Oh, cool. And that one, so it's like a summer diary and she's reading the Odyssey over the summer. And so she's summarizing bits and pieces of the Odyssey, which, you know, I'm like a Greek mythology fan. And so I love that bit, but then it tells her story of her summer that kind of mirrors Odysseus a little bit, like things happen to her and Mm. little things go on. And so those two books, I think my sister and I both read them over and over and over and over. So I gave this girl, I was like, you have to read this one too. So hopefully she had a good spring break with those two, but I love both of those by Sharon Creech. Oh
1: my goodness. I've not read either of those. So they're so good. Definitely going to have to check those out. The first one on my list, like you, or you went back to 1996, Katie. I'm going to take you back to 1976. Awesome. (laughs) Love it. Middle grade has been around for a long time, even before we called it a category of middle grade. Mm -hmm. So the first book on my list is Summer of the Monkeys by Wilson Rawls. Wilson Rawls is an American author who wrote two books, Where the Red Fern Grows and Summer of the Monkeys. (laughs) So most people have heard of and have read Where the Red Fern Grows. It's probably one of the most canonical classic American, you know, young adult novels, but Some of the Monkeys" is fantastic as well. And guess what? Spoiler alert, not nearly as sad at the end. Oh good, because (laughs) Where the Red Fern Grows was traumatic. Okay. So (laughs) traumatic for so many people. Okay. Well, this is on the NPR must read list for kids. And it is, again, it was written in 1976. It tells the story of 14-year-old Jay Barry Lee. He is trekking through the woods near his home in the Ozarks in 1895 in pre-statehood Oklahoma. And he comes across a tree full of monkeys. Now you can find a lot of things out in the wilds of Oklahoma, but usually not monkeys. <laughs> so as it turns out, those monkeys have escaped from an overturned circus wagon. And there is a hefty, reward for their capture. Now, Jay Barry wants nothing more in the world than a pony and a twenty-two hunting rifle. And so he and his grandpa who lives with them, or actually they moved from Missouri to live with the grandpa. This was again, pre-statehood when there was a lot of land up for grabs in Oklahoma. They start scheming for how they can capture those monkeys. And as you can imagine, hilarity ensues. We also, through Jay Barry, get to know the absolutely charming Daisy who is his twin sister she does have a congenital birth defect she was born with a club foot but this character this little girl does not let that slow her down she is very imaginative she is very active she's got her own world that she has created she doesn't even look at it as being something that slows her down so what I love about this book is that Wilson Rawls he is a master storyteller Again, if you've read Where the Red Friend Grows, you know that it is a book that just draws you into the world, leaves you bawling your eyes out of the end. Yes. (laughs) But Summer of the Monkeys is ultimately a story of family. And it's about overcoming fear and challenges. It's about creative problem solving, all of the different ideas they come up with for how are we going to capture these monkeys and get that reward from the circus for these monkeys, all of the different things they come up with and ultimately like how some of our best adventures can happen really close to home i think his writing is so captivating i think adults who read this book will love and appreciate his way with words but it's still really accessible it's kind of like when you're watching a really great kids movie with your kids and there's stuff written in that you're like oh, okay i get it like it's above maybe the kids head but but it's still you know highly enjoyable for kids kind of similar with his style of writing. It is a fantastic read aloud. It's funny that you mentioned that this was the first, you know, your book was the first one that you remembered thinking like there's issues that we can grapple with as we're reading. This is the first book I can remember somebody reading aloud. And I feel like I was like in middle elementary when -hmm. this was read aloud to our class and I can remember thinking, like, books are as fun as TV. Oh,
0: I <laughs> love <know>? that
1: <laughs> in terms of the story that unfolds. So I highly encourage you to read it with a kid, read it for yourself. I haven't read this one, so I'm definitely going to need to pick it up. <laughs> oh, it's such a great read aloud. I actually went to look to see if there's like an audiobook. I couldn't find it on Audible, which I was incensed about because <laughs> this is made for reading aloud. But if you're getting ready to go on a road trip, you could take this along to read to your kids as you go. If you're a family that does chapter by chapter reading together, this one is brilliant. And I think ultimately, this is a great one that has a lot of conversation about family mm-hmm. that I think even kids can, can grasp what's yeah. going on, the the dynamics there. So again, that's some of the monkeys by Wilson Rawls. It
0: sounds so good. It is. It is. Okay. What's next on your list? Okay, so this one is called Sweep, The Story of a Girl and Her Monster. And this one was published in 2018 by Jonathan Oxier. He wrote The Night Gardener, which scared the bejesus out of me. That was like the scariest middle grade book I've ever read. And then he's written a couple others, like Peter Nimble, I think. He kind of writes in this fantastical world that's also still rooted in the real world. So Sweep takes place in Victorian England. We have all these chimney sweeping kids that are treated pretty badly by their masters most of them are orphans they were taken in by these chimney sweep guys they have to climb chimneys and do really dangerous things and there's lots of injuries and death that occur you know from this yeah so at the center of our story is a girl named nan and she all we know about her is that once upon a time there was nan and the sweep who was actually a really sweet man who took care of her and fed her and kept her safe and he taught her how to how to do all the chimney sweeping because that was his job. Mm-hmm. Well, when she's six years old, he disappears. She doesn't know where he goes. Mm. He leaves her his hat and a little piece of charcoal that's like this oh, big. Okay. And so she holds on to this piece of charcoal and it's kind of magical because it's warm when it shouldn't be if she's sleeping next to it. She has these dreams of the sweep. She ends up with another master and a bunch of boys, and she's the only girl climber. And she kind of is pitted against this other boy to become the apprentice, you know? So they're competing against each other. They don't have very much food. This man is terrible that is supposed Mm. to be taking care of them. So one day, Nan gets stuck in a chimney in a boarding school. And one of the ways that they have decided to get her out is to light a fire because they figure that the chimney sweeper who's stuck in the chimney will, you know, break their bones to climb out so that they don't burn to death. So they light the fire the charcoal that she has, her little piece of charcoal ends up saving her (laughs) because it kind of comes alive in this fire. Oh, wow. Okay. Character. So she's saved. She goes into hiding in this big mansion in London and her little piece of charcoal grows into Charlie, who is this amazing monster who they become friends and she teaches them how to read and all these great things. So Interwoven with all of that is a bunch of Jewish history because he's really a golem. And okay. so she learns about what golems were and what golems are and their origin story. And she ends up meeting this teacher who was working at the boarding school and she's Jewish. And so they talk about things like anti-Semitism and how she had to leave oh, where she wow. was and the whole history of golems and jewish lore and all that kind of stuff and in the meantime she's nan's learning what it means to trust somebody and to have a friend and to take care of somebody and her story just kind of goes off from there but i love it so much i read this with a book club in my class this last couple of weeks and i was a little bit nervous it does just be too much because there's a lot of sadness and a lot of stuff Mm. in here but my kids loved it so much they were like thank you for giving us this book. I would have never heard about it without you, you know, and they were able to talk about some of these really important themes of friendship and trust. And Mm. there's a point in the book where she actually sees her nemesis, her enemy goes back to see his family who has really sold him into slavery because they didn't have any food. And so they sold him to this chimney sweep man and he's watching them through the window with their new family. It's a really good conversation of this kid he's not just all bad. You know, he has trauma and his way that he's treating people is because of that. So there's so many good points of discussion in here. So Mm. many important things. And then there's a great author's note that talks about child labor and child labor laws and how those came to be changed and all of those things throughout history. So it's just a really rich story, but one that, you just love charlie so much he's like this Mm. lovable like charcoal monster and which sounds funny as an adult reader but yeah it's so good so that is sweep by jonathan oxier it's beautiful
1: oh love that one so good that is so good okay well my next one is well it may be a little bit of a controversial choice it is the book jacob have i loved by katherine patterson have you read this one Yes, a long time ago as a child. Some of us did read it a long time ago. It was a 1980 release. So we're going way back in the stacks for this. It was a Newbery Award winner. I can't deny I have that English teacher urge to include a book that you should read, even if it's not like a joyful experience, right? (laughs) So Catherine Patterson, I have talked about her before when I've talked about Bridge to Terabithia, first book that broke my heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She published just so many books and she really deeply understood the heart of the middle grade reader. I think she tells stories from all different angles and perspectives. So this for me was the first book that I interacted with what I consider to be an unlikable main character. Mm-hmm which is not something that authors especially authors writing for children and young adults in the 1980s were doing you had the likable protagonist that you're cheering on as they take on the world and in Jacob have I loved which the title comes from a book in the bible Malachi where god says Jacob have i loved but Esau have i hated well this that's the story of twins who come out <laughs> come into the world fighting And this conflict between two sisters who are twins is at the sort of at the heart of this book. Although the one twin doesn't really know that she's (laughs) how deeply resented she is by her twin sister. I just realized that both of my first two books have to do with twins. (laughs) (laughs) That seems on brand for you. (laughs) I guess I started manifesting twins for myself, (laughs) even as a child, as I'm reading this. Okay, so let's get into it. Sarah Louise Bradshaw is our protagonist. She's nicknamed and known as Wheeze by her family. And she is sick of living in the shadow of her perfect and much beloved and much doted on twin sister, Caroline. So this is Sarah Louise's perspective as she kind of goes through childhood and grows up. She states early in the book, as she's looking back as a grown woman, thinking back on these years, life begins to turn upside down at 13. I know that now which I think almost every middle grade reader really can, even if they don't really understand the truth of that when they're that age, certainly as adults and we're looking back, we're like, oh, wow, that's really true. Mm -hmm. So this book, Jacob Have I Loved, is not the action-packed book that some of the monkeys is. It's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. It's much more nuanced, but it poses some really great opportunities for kids to reflect on how much we... Perceive about the world, how much of that becomes our reality. So, I personally found Sarah Louise to be very annoying and whiny as a kid when I was reading this. But I will say, in my family of origin, I was more of the Caroline type. Mm-hmm. I was the typical eldest daughter. I did not have a lot of patience or empathy for Sarah Louise's point of view. However, now as an adult, when I read back through this book, I very much can see what Katherine Patterson was doing through this character and creating a point of view and and a perspective, a story that so many kids can relate to who either overtly are kind of the neglected kid in the family, or they perceive themselves as being Mm -hmm. that way. And to give voice to that experience, to allow a character to just fully share what they're experiencing in this family dynamic is not something that a lot of authors were doing at that time. Now, we have tons of books and TV shows and movies that celebrate the anti-hero, you know, that mm-hmm. are where you take the character, the main character is unlikable for some reason, but you find yourself cheering for them. It's, you know, become much more common. But this was a really innovative choice for Katherine Patterson to make at the time. So again, you know, plot-wise, it kind of follows Sarah Louise, and we follow her through her struggles, through her angst around all of this. And again, it's not going to be that page turner, but I do think that this is a great book to read along with a kid or with a classroom for kids to kind of consider how our concepts of ourselves, how we characterize ourselves, the stories we tell about ourselves to ourselves, how that is often reflected back to us and that we don't have to be stuck telling that same story about ourselves, that we can change the story, we can change our self-talk even if our external circumstances don't change, that we can change the story we tell about ourselves and the way we speak to ourselves. And I think that middle grade, middle school, especially, is such a great time to have these conversations with kids because so many kids, this is such a fragile time for kids and their understanding and their perception of themselves. And so to be able to use a book to kind of say, you know, Because if they do pick up on the things about Sarah Louise that make her a little bit unlikable as a character, we can kind of tease those threads out and talk a little bit more in depth with them about what could Sarah Louise have noticed about her family or her circumstances that she could have told her own story differently and kind of spin it out from there. So, again, may not be on everybody's list of must reads, but I do think it is such a useful book and beautifully written, of course, Catherine Patterson amazing author for kids so Jacob have I loved by Katherine Patterson
0: so I read I don't remember I don't have fond memories of that book <laughs> I also don't have fond memories of Bridget Terabithia because again <laughs> that book is traumatizing yes and then I tried one more of hers called The Great Gilly Hopkins which was I think about yeah. a foster kid and I really did not like that one so I yeah. think as a kid I could not handle nuance very well. I think our kids now are better at that. And I think we're doing a good job to teach them that. But I wanted everything to be black and white. And this is good. This is bad. This is happening. All the you know, tied up with a bow. And so I Mm -hmm. think maybe if I had read it with a teacher or a group of friends or something to guide me through that a little bit better. It would have been better than just me reading it by myself and going, God, this book is terrible. (laughs) I'm glad you brought it though. It's a good one to revisit. I think, yes, I had written those books off, like never going to read them again because of my (laughs) memories, but now maybe I may reconsider that. So thank you for bringing that one.
1: Yes, of course. Okay. Well, those are a few of our favorites that we wanted to make sure that The Awesome's have on their reading radar. Again, some of these are a little bit older, so maybe you're revisiting some of your memories of these books as well. We have even more middle grade books to celebrate with you when we come right back. So as we get back outside for springtime, I know lots of us are thinking about taking care of ourselves and we're also feeling motivated to take better care of the planet. It makes my heart so happy that I can do both with Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that ships high quality personalized vitamin supplements, and powders Conveniently to your door every month and with care of. Compostable daily packs and sustainably sourced ingredient efforts. They are aiming to help you take care of not only your wellness but also the environment. Care of's personalized packs are made from a plant-based compostable film that includes wood pulp and a fermented blend of corn, cassava root, and sugar cane, so you can feel good about the impact your vitamins are having not only on your health, but also the planet. You guys know I love care of vitamins. I've been taking them for years, all the way back to my pregnancy with Nico, and I still Take them today. I love how easy their online quiz is, and I think it's so very awesome that Care of takes care of us and the planet. So for fifty percent off of your first Care of order of forty dollars or more, go to takecareof.com and enter code Awesome Fifty. Again, that's going to be fifty percent off of your first Care of order of forty dollars or more when you go to takecareof.com and enter code Awesome Fifty. All right, you guys know that the awesomes will never lead you wrong. And if there's one product we all agree on that is an absolute must for taking great care of yourself it's Billy Razors. That's because Billy is the best razor for women at half the price of what you'd expect. There's no pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, no irritation, no matter what. With temperatures changing all the time, like they have been this spring, my skin usually dries up, and that is why I love shaving with my Billy Razor. Billy Razors are super moisturizing. Billy's crazy affordable starter kit comes with their award-winning razor, 2 precision five-blade refill cartridges and that cult favorite magnetic holder. You will not believe how gentle and effective these razors are. That also makes them perfect for people new to shaving, which is why my teenage daughters love their Billy razors too. So don't suffer another second paying a pink tax for a bad shave. Go to mybilly.com awesome to get the best razor you will ever own while supporting this show. Billy is half the price of other razors plus free shipping always. Just go to mybilly.com awesome Awesome. That's spelled my B I L L I E dot com slash awesome. That's mybilly.com slash awesome. Okay, I am back with Katie Proctor. Today we are celebrating 10 of our favorite middle grade books. We have shared a few already and we've talked about how and why middle grade is so important to read, no matter what age you are. So Katie, I cannot wait to hear what is next on your list. Okay, so this one's called A Wish in the Dark, and it's by Christina Soon-Tornbott,
0: and it was published in 2020 and won a Newbery honor. This book, I feel like, is very underrated and underappreciated because we did win the Newbery, but I haven't seen it in a million different places. Right. And I read this one by myself last summer, I think, but I chose it to put into my classroom as a book club book. and. I realize that this is a book you have to read with people. Like hmm. you read it by yourself and you can get some things out of it. But when you read it with others, it is so powerful. So this is fantasy. Okay. It's set in kind of like a Thailand-inspired fantasy world. All right. Where the main character is named Pong, he's born in prison. His mom dies in childbirth. So he is left in prison. And in their society, if you're born in prison, you have to stay in prison till mm. you're 13 to kind of pay for your mom's crimes or whatever. So he's in prison with his best friend, Somkit, and they kind of get into a scuffle with some other people. And Somkit, I think, realizes that if Pong stays there for any more amount of time, his creative spirit and personality Mm. is just going to die. Right. So Pong escapes and he goes to live in a monastery. And there's a really nice older monk named Father Cham who takes him in and kind of trains him as an apprentice monk. And he bestows blessings on people he gives them these little strings and he ties little strings around their wrist mm. to give them blessings and he actually so pong when he was born got a prison tattoo basically so if you have this prison tattoo and it's not stricken through when your time is up then you're considered a fugitive and they would take you right back so okay. father tam actually covers up his tattoo with these little blessing strings oh. right oh my Gosh. so in the meantime the prison warden gets in trouble for this boy escaping because mm-hmm. he's supposed to be watching and he didn't do that and his daughter whose name is knock she kind of goes on a revenge spree looking for pong so this is kind of Lay miserables yes also. so she's kind of chasing after him because her family's kind of been disgraced a little bit by this right. incident so she's trying to find him she has a very clear sense of what is right and what is wrong in this society right mm-hmm. and I forgot to tell you that the way that this is set up is there's a governor and he is the only person who can create light. So there was a great fire oh. before the book starts. Yeah. And they have outlawed fire because it's dangerous, right? So he and this man came out of the woods and creates this light, and you can have different colors of light. So gold is the most valuable and the most powerful. And so those who can afford gold light afford the gold light. And you know, purple's on the other end of the spectrum where yeah. You're very impoverished. People only have purple light, and you can't even cook with it oh, that's because it's just not powerful. Yeah. So, Pong, he's living in this monastery, but Knock finds him, and then they kind of go on like this chase, and he's taken into the city where he finds an underground kind of resistance group that's trying to to show that this unfairness and this injustice is not okay and they want to fight against it. So they're planning a march and all these things. So there's just so much to talk about with this book, so much about equality and privilege and the way that Nock and him kind of interact when they finally meet each other. You know, she's so rigid in her thoughts and he's so not... You know, just how she kind of, it's coming of age for her realizing right. that things aren't black and white. At one point, I think he says something to her, like the laws in place here were written for people like you and not for people like me. Mm. And so to have those and listening to my, you know, 10 and 11 year olds having this discussions with each other about what does that mean? And what does that mean for our world? And what does that mean for what poverty and homelessness looks, looks like now? Yes. That was incredibly powerful. So this book is just Perfect. I think just the way it's fast paced. My kids were mad that I would be like, you have to stop at this page. They'd be like, you can't make (laughs) it stop. You know, they were like Mm -hmm. ready to rage at me for making them stop at certain points, but it's just really a great story. So that one's called A Wish in the Dark. And I wanted to, again, cheat and slide in one more because (laughs) she also wrote a nonfiction middle grade book called All 13, which is about the Soccer team in Thailand, the boys soccer team, they called the wild boars that got stuck in that cave for like I don't know, they were in there for a while. Yeah, I remember in like 2018, right? It was yes. all over the news, and they had to, you know, bring in all these experts to try and rescue them and stuff. And right. so she. It's funny because two of the character names from A Wish in the Dark were people that came out of All 13. And I don't know if she did that like subconsciously or on purpose, but I just love the connection of reading both of those at the same time. But All 13 is like a beautiful nonfiction book for middle graders that has all the pictures and all the maps and all the things that tell the story. And in that, she also talks about Buddhism and she talks about Thailand and she brings in all that cultural stuff. I just thought both of those, together was a great flight to read together and she's amazing. So I wanted to bring that one up too. So
1: great. I love it. I love it. I love a book with a bonus recommendation. (laughs) too. Okay. Well, the next one on my list is called Out of My Mind by Sharon Draper. Mm. Have you read this one? Love this one. Okay. this This was a 2010 release. I read it back then. And as I was kind of going through and trying to compile this list, this came to mind for me out of my mind did. I love this book so much. This is one that will break your heart and put it back together for sure. It's the story of 11-year-old Melody. And Melody was born with cerebral palsy. She can't walk or talk or feed herself or interact easily with the people around her. And heartbreakingly, doctors and other specialists early in her life Classified her as being severely brain damaged, but she's actually a literal genius. Mm -hmm. She has a photographic memory. She has synesthesia where she can hear colors and smell images when music is played. Her brain is doing all these amazing, incredible things. But because of the cerebral palsy, it's really difficult for her to communicate that. Well, eventually she goes to elementary school and at first she's in a classroom for intellectually disabled students. And one of the great things about Out of My Mind is. The story of all the, the support that she has, mm-hmm. both her, her parents, her mom, especially, the different caregivers that she has, who all believe in her and what she's capable of and have been supporting her in her learning all along the way. So eventually she is mainstreamed into a regular classroom. When it's discovered how freaking smart she is, she kind of becomes the secret star of the whiz kids quiz team. Mm-hmm. And so they do really well with her leading the team with her incredible knowledge. Then a series of unfortunate events unfolds. She misses the plane to travel to the national finals. The team unsurprisingly kind of sucks without her if they come in ninth place. <laughs> but then we get this really interesting surge of redemption for Melody at the end, but it's not quite in the tied up with a bow ending that you might think, but it's also very satisfying. And this book, it's about so many things. Obviously, it's about, and I think that kids who are middle grade readers would be able to most easily grasp the concrete idea here of we all have differences. We don't know what is going on under the surface for other people. We all have things that make us feel like we don't belong, but there's other ways that we find a sense of belonging so there's that, you know, adult readers, I think, would be able to see definitely it's about compassion for others. And I think, interestingly, going back and looking at this book again, at which I hadn't read it in over 10 years, but I went back and kind of breezed through it as we were preparing for this episode. One of the things I think this book does really well, and I don't even know if it's what Sharon Draper had in mind when she wrote it, is it helps us to think about how we put people into boxes. hmm. And we feel really resistant to let them break out of those boxes we've classified them in. When it's discovered that Melody is a genius, there's a lot of resistance, especially from a couple of her classmates to even believing that she could be that Mm -hmm. smart because they see this girl who seems to be bound to a wheelchair and who can't speak, who can't do all of these things that they can do. How could she possibly be this smart? And we see this in terms of some of the professionals who, you know, had very early on categorized her as this and having a lot of resistance around believing she could be anything but that. And I do think this is such an interesting reading and this came out in 2010 and, you know, our culture has grown and shifted a lot in that time. Our culture is so keen on classifying everything and everyone and then once we put people into that thing, we kind of think that's where they're gonna stay. We think they're gonna be predictable I mean, this book does a lot of things. It truly, truly is fantastic, I think, for younger readers to read, to gain that sense of empathy Mm -hmm. when it comes to interacting with people who are different for whatever reason. But I was amazed, Katie, as I went back and read through it again, I was like, oh, there's a lot going on there in this book. I'm glad you talked about this on my school
0: counselors reading this to my eight-year-old class right now she's like oh, wow. reading a little bit out loud yeah. to them mm-hmm. and she came home the other day absolutely incensed that there was a doctor who told her parents to go ahead and just institutionalize her because yes. she was never gonna amount to anything basically and my daughter was livid mm-hmm. like, how could someone say that about somebody and so just wow. that, and that piece she has like perseverated on that a little bit whenever we talk about that book she that is like the thing that made her so emotional you know yes i do want to tell you too that melody has a sequel out that just came out this year i didn't know if you knew that it's called i didn't it's called out of my heart and it's really for more like on the older middle grade spectrum because she actually goes to a summer camp Mm -hmm. she finds a summer camp that's super accessible for all kinds of neurodivergence and she goes to this camp. She has to beg her parents and get all the things to happen. But you know, she finds a boy that she has a crush on and she gets to do all these things like horseback riding that she never thought she could be able to do. And so it's a really sweet, you know, kind of sequel to that
1: to Melody's story. So I wanted to tell you about that. Thank you. I had not seen that, but absolutely I gotta know what happens next (laughs) in Melody's life. I love that. So again, that's Out of My Mind by Sharon Traper. So so excellent. Absolutely worth a read yourself or with kids mm-hmm. so good all right what's next on your list okay so this
0: one is another newberry honor pick it's called echo it was published in 2015 by pam munoz ryan and i had read esperanza rising that's like a popular one that's in schools everywhere but echo And it's this giant book. It's like this big. So it can be kind of intimidating. But I always tell kids when I give it to them to read, I'm like, look, there's lots of margins in here. So it's not really as long as it. Right. Yes. So Echoes told in three different stories. So it's historical fiction. It's during the time of World War II. There's this overarching kind of fantastical fairy tales situation where somebody's telling somebody this story, but then you dive into these three kids so the first kid is friedrich and he lives in nazi germany his father works at a harmonica factory they are jewish and his dad ends up being taken away to a camp he's working in his harmonica factory with his family he goes and tries to get his father out of the camp basically okay yeah so she leaves you with a cliffhanger with friedrich like he's on the train going to get his dad and somebody pulls him and asks for his papers. And then we stop <gasps> that story. Oh my gosh. Right? Yes. And so then the next story is uh, we're in America in Pennsylvania, Mike and Frankie, they're orphans. He, Mike is the typical like older brother who's just his whole job is to protect his little brother. They're living with this foster woman who's kind of, She reminds me of that Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, kind of like this older kind of wealthy woman who's kind of mysterious and not very warm. But then you're like, she really has a good heart inside. Yeah. And So he's trying out for this harmonica band, basically. And so so you can see the thread, right? There's a harmonica factory in the first one. He has this special harmonica. And that story ends with one of them falling out of a tree. Mm. And you're like, and he falls out of the tree and then we're done with that story for now. Yeah. And then the third story goes to California to a girl named Ivy and her family has basically been tasked with the job of managing a farm that's owned by Japanese people who are currently in internment camps. So as she's like, you know, exploring the farm and kind of experiencing some racism of her own because they're Hispanic. She's finding things about, about this Japanese family. And there's a musical thread in that too. And yes. so then all three of their stories kind of, oh, I love it. end at the end, so you're yeah. waiting to, to see how all three of these stories are going to end. And in that fairy tale, that overarching fairy tale ish story kind of comes to the end. So the harmonica is like the thing that goes through all of these stories. It's beautiful on audio because you have this music throughout have you read this one? No, this is okay. on my
1: Audible wish list, And yes. I read through all the reviews. You know, I love a review. So mm-hmm. I've read all this stuff about it. I haven't gotten it yet, but now I'm like, okay, it's time. This is my sign. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to yes. read Echo finally. Yes, it is. It's very good. I've read
0: it both on paper and on audio now. Yeah. And it's one that I regularly hand to kids who I know have the reading comprehension to be able to handle right. it. Just because mm-hmm. it's a little bit more complicated of a story, but mm-hmm. so beautiful. So well-deserving of that Newberry Just all the things she talks about and the historical
1: context that they're in. It's amazing. So that's called Echo. It is a much beloved middle grade book. I know many, again, just reading through reviews, Goodreads and Amazon and Audible, whatever, many adult readers are like, this is one of my favorite books of all time. So yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. Well, next on my list is a book that I know you have read, When Stars Are Scattered, it's written by Victoria Jamieson with Omar Mohammed. So quickly, I'm gonna give a nod to Victoria Jamieson's book, Roller Girl, which oh, I, I love that one. I do too. I've talked I about it. this sometime I'm Sorta of Awesome. I didn't take the time to go back and look, but I have talked about Roller Girl. I don't know if it was an awesome the week or on a book list or something it's one of my all time favorite middle grade reads because it is the first graphic novel that I ever read. And I was a fully grown adult by the time I read it. It might
0: have been one of my first two as an adult. So it's very good.
1: It is. It really is. It is about 12 year old Astrid and how she finds herself in roller derby. And I mean, it's about so many things. I love it because it really deals with a lot of middle grade issues around friendship mm-hmm. and both of my girls read it. They absolutely loved it as well. Victoria Jameson has written a lot of graphic novels. She's done a lot of work in the children in middle grade space. This one came out when stars are scattered. This one came out in 2020. So of course I had to read it. She did co-write it with Omar Mohammed, and it's basically Omar's memoir in graphic novel form. So Omar grew up caring for his brother Hassan in the Dadaab refugee camp in Kenya They were refugees from Somalia. Their father had been killed in the conflict there. And in the chaos of everything that was happening, they got separated from their mother. When the story opens, they've been living in the camp on their own, these two brothers, for seven years. And as the story unfolds, it tells the story of their childhoods in this UN refugee camp. And how ultimately at the end, what life continues on to look like, especially for Omar, who Receives an education. Now he lives in the United States. He has five kids. He started a nonprofit for kids who are in refugee camps. So it's really beautiful. Now, this one you can guess is close to my heart because I have seen and gotten to interact with families that are living long term in UN refugee camps. I got to experience that in Lebanon, mm-hmm. meeting children in Syrian kids who were living in refugee camps. I think that sometimes for those of us who have no frame of reference for the refugee experience. We might think of being a refugee as like a passing short-term thing. Maybe you're displaced for a few months or maybe a year, maybe you get to go back home or maybe you're relocated somewhere. That's really from globally, that's mm-hmm. often not the case. And there are sometimes people spend their entire lifetimes yeah. in these camps that eventually over time kind of become cities of their own with economies and schools and mosques and churches And so when I got to visit with Syrian families in Lebanon, I mean, it was the kids who were like, had the most profound impact on me. They Mm -hmm. were so excited to see someone new, to sing with us, to show us their homes, to show us the games they had invented. And those childhood experiences that they were having are so vastly different Mm -hmm. from anything that my kids could even imagine. And I think that through Victoria Jameson's art and her capacity to take a big, big story like Omar's life and break it down in ways that are accessible, but without losing the power and the impact of the story is really remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, and tucked into the story, obviously there's this big story of what it was like to grow up in a refugee camp, but the, of course there's these seems like sibling relationships, family, loyalty, sacrifice, resilience, that all speak to the universal human experience. So what a gift this book is. And I think that there's so much for both kids and adults to learn from when stars are scattered. Again, it's Victoria Jameson with Omar Mohammed.
0: I love that one. And I love that they didn't just focus on the hard and sad things about right. the refugee camp. Like they had them playing soccer and yes. going to school and him wanting his education and all the things and so I love that it kind of brought in all the joy and also all the heart. Yes. You know, I love that they balance that. And yes, it gives a such whole, a
1: whole, yeah, it gives the whole picture. Like mm-hmm. you said, not just the heartbreaking stuff, but the joy of the human spirit. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So much great book conversation with you today. We have our last books on our list to discuss when we come right back. Friends, finding and booking a doctor who's right for you does not need to be a terrible experience. Will they take your insurance, understand your needs, or will they even be available when you need them? Well, with ZocDoc, the answer can be a refreshingly pain-free yes. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So when you walk into that doctor's office, you are set up to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and choose whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit, and just like that, you're booked. We all have enough chaos in our lives. Finding a doctor and scheduling an appointment doesn't have to add to the chaos when you use ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash awesome and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash awesome. ZocDoc.com slash awesome. Awesome's spring is a great time to try something new. Whatever you have planned for the spring, I know you don't want to be stuck in the kitchen. So I've got a secret for you. You can eat really well without meal planning or even meal prepping with Factor. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen prepared meals. That are so delicious, it's hard to believe they're also actually good for you. Factor saves me all kinds of time by delivering chef crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention that cleanup. There's no dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. And you guys, that's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand in hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with more than 29 meal options every week, I'm never bored. So head to go.factor75.com awesome120 and use code awesome120 to get $120 off. That's code awesome120 at go.factor75.com awesome120 for $120 off with Factor. All right, we've come to our last books on our list. What do you have? Okay, so this one
0: is very new. It's the brand new Newbery Medal winner of this year. And it's called The Last Quintista by Donna Barba Higuera. And it is dystopian, which you kind of don't see in middle grade a whole lot. Like there's a lot of YA dystopian. A ton, yeah. This is middle grade dystopian sci-fi. And we meet Petra Pena. She is 12 or 13. When we meet her, she is getting on a spaceship to leave the earth because it is about to be destroyed by a (laughs) comet. Okay, I would like a ticket for that one. (laughs) So her parents are biologists or something like they have some kind of skill that is going to be needed for when they reach this other inhabitable planet. They're going to be put into some kind of dreamy coma for like 300 years. And then they're going to the plan is to wake up on this planet and start a new civilization basically. So she is with her brother, she's with her parents. They had to say goodbye to her grandmother, which was, she was a storyteller and she had given her all these wonderful heritage things about yes. being on earth and you know their family and all this kind of stuff. And so while they're asleep, they're supposed to be able to basically download into their brain a whole bunch of stuff that they need to know. So okay. she has chosen to learn all of the history of the earth as much as she can through story in her sleepy program or whatever well when she gets on the ship she doesn't really fall asleep as fast as everybody else is so she's still kind of aware of some things that are happening okay she's also very aware that the people who are going to take care of them while they're in their sleep state are going to die on the ship they're gonna have these recurring people that reproduce and take care of these people and because it's going to take hundreds of years for them to reach this next place okay right so she's kind of like half awake she hears some things that are interesting when she wakes up things are vastly different than what she expected them to mm. be and she kind of uncovers the sinister plot of these people who kind of want to erase the history of the earth and start over without any of the bad right they want to control everything and yeah. make sure that everything is to their standards and all this kind of stuff and so when she wakes up, she has to contend with this and figure out how to kind of redeem it, right? Right. It reminded me of Project Hail Mary a little bit. Like, I okay, think could, yeah, yeah would I would be getting, like, this is awesome. I was getting some strong Project Hail Mary <laughs> vibes for sure. There's also a thread, if our adult readers have read Cloud Cuckoo Land, which was a big one of last year also, there was a storyline in Cloud Cuckoo Land where a girl is leaving the earth again And she's trying to keep alive this story. And so it reminded me of that too. But I also got like giver vibes, wrinkle in time kind of vibes, but it's all about human story and why we have to keep those things alive and why holding onto our history is really important. Even as we move forward from those things that weren't so great. And so Mm -hmm. that was like her passion was to fight for the ability to keep those stories alive and well in this new situation where she finds herself. So- it was fantastic. It's very weird. <laughs> you know, you kind of have to just go with the weird. Right? Yeah. But it was really, really good. I think it's a good one to have conversations about. Yeah. Just looking at back to our past. That's a huge thing right now. Like, right. do we learn our history, even though it feels bad?
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> and moving forward, because there's a whole discussion about all of that. So I think it's a great way, just a scientific
1: and fantastical way to show that. Yeah. In a controlled environment kind of situation. So I really loved it. That sounds absolutely captivating. And like you said, dystopian and really sci-fi is not something that you see a lot of in middle grade. And so I think that that's just really remarkable in and of itself, But it sounds like an absolute page turner, not to mention the underlying themes of history and storytelling Mm -hmm. and family and all of those things. So so great. Okay, well, the last book on my list is also a really, really recent release. Came out in 2021. I feel like fall of 2021, actually. It's called Pony, and it oh. is from author R.J. Palacio, who most people know for writing the very popular middle grade book, Wonder, which came mm-hmm. out in 2012. Is it that? Is that oh right? It's been 10
0: years since Wonder came out? I guess. That seems like a really long time ago. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. Well, I know I heard about Pony on Currently Reading, mm-hmm. again, sort of our favorite podcast for reading recommendations. I will admit that this was a book that at first glance, I did not think I would like. It is historical fiction. I don't read a lot of historical fiction. It's not one of my favorite genres. But here I, I have two books, Summer of the Monkeys and Pony are both. <laughs> so maybe I just secretly yeah, like it. Maybe I do like it more than I give myself credit for. Unlike the other selections on this list, again, except for probably Summer of the Monkeys, this is a book that I don't think is issue driven it's good old-fashioned storytelling Mm -hmm. one reviewer (laughs) i love this line one reviewer on goodreads said pony is a psycho-spiritual western epic about grief marketed to 12 year olds (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's pretty right that's one way to say it i mean (laughs) so plot wise we are in 1860 in ohio And our protagonist, our main character, is 12-year-old Silas Bird. And as the story opens, his father is taken away at gunpoint by a motley crew of men who believe his father can help them with their criminal enterprise that they've taken up. Now, Silas's mother died when he was either in childbirth, maybe? I I can't remember if it was Mm -hmm. in childbirth or when he was little. Okay, So his father has raised him, has homeschooled him. His father is his whole world And so Silas is determined to go after him and save him, or at least try. Now, interestingly, a distinctive pony that was with the crew that took his father comes back to their little homestead. Silas rides off on that pony to go try to find his dad. And did I mention Silas's best friend is a ghost? An actual, in the story, an actual ghost. Like we're Mm -hmm. not talking metaphor. We're talking very like his best friend is a 16-year-old boy who's a ghost named Mittenwool. And he has been at Silas's side ever since he was a baby. In fact, and wool was Silas's first word. The story that unfolds is filled with adventure and beautiful writing. It's incredibly engrossing. It is fantastic on audio. That's how I read mm-hmm. it. As an adult reader, there will be parts of the plot that we might understand and figure out, like mysteries tucked into the plot that adult readers might figure out before middle grade kids do. I do think that middle grade kids will find themselves surprised by some of the- Oh,
0: I was the shocked at the you. <laughs> Yes, there was one part where I messaged somebody and was like, excuse
1: me, this is a thing? <laughs> yes. So yes. yeah, there's definitely some surprises in there. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, there's also a lot of technical information packed in there about photography. This was in a time when the art and science of photography was really exploding silas's dad is a photographer and understands about all of the chemistry that goes into it i do think that rj palacio does a great job of making it so natural in the storytelling that you don't get bogged down in it Mm -hmm. i was surprised what i ended up learning about all of that did you have a paper copy while you were listening no i
0: didn't so the paper copy has some really cool daguerreotypes At the start of each chapter that
1: are built into the physical book that
0: are really cool. So um, if you want to read it on audio,
1: get the paper copy so you can at least see what the pictures are. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. I did not know that, but now I'm definitely going to have to check it out. I don't want to give away too much about the plot. It does take a lot of twists and turns. There's a lot of surprises, but truly this book has such a dear place in my heart. It is a lot about grief, but not in a like hit you over the head with it kind Mm -hmm. of way. It's a lot about grief and how you cope with it. And I just want to mention too, because it's not really a spoiler, but the pony
0: lives like I needed to know that before oh, yes. I read the book, because okay. yeah, I had all this true grit vibes because she, you know, she meets the, what's he called? Like the ranger, the older, yeah, mm-hmm. cranky ranger man who yep. says he's going to help him, which kind of reminded me of the guy in true grit. But you know, I was that ending of true grit is like, oh so bad. But I was like, <laughs> I need to know if the horse lives and someone was like, the horse lives, you're fine. It's going to be okay. because. I don't pick up horse books on a normal basis because I don't want to read about them dying.
1: Okay. <laughs> this one was
0: not that. So I just wanted to put that out there for anybody who's
1: Finger. like, this is why it's so important for readers to have conversations that never would have occurred to me <laughs> to be aware of. I'm so glad you brought it out. The pony totally lives you guys. That is not mm. part of the grief of the book. Right. Now, I will admit that the ghostly element is what drew me in because on the surface, all this other stuff, historical fiction, kind of like this Western-y element to it. It's not usually for me, but you tell me a ghost story. Okay, (laughs) I'm in. Even if you don't normally like books with supernatural elements, I absolutely think that the heart behind the story is so tender. It's so poignant. It's so beautifully written that the ghost aspect of the story, Mitten Wool's part of the story, is just so natural to the mm-hmm. storytelling that you don't you don't find yourself feeling a little skeptical or like it's a gimmick. It's not gimmicky right. at all. Right. It's really nice. And I love I
0: thought it was a creative way to give him a companion. Yes. When really he was all by himself. But to yes. have his companion, you know, offer him some comfort and some right. Like someone to talk to while he was out, you yeah. know, doing
1: all these things. So yes. Well, this is a perfect book on audio. I think it'd be great for a road trip with the family. I promise you that all of the adults, teens and kids, I'm going to say like ages nine and up in your family would be so into this. It's incredibly captivating, beautiful. I cried a lot, but just because (laughs) it, it touches on some, it's not like, I don't know. It's how can I say this? It's just so beautiful the way the story is told and how it all comes together at the end, especially, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just so beautiful. It's definitely a book that you want to hug and will be on my list of favorites for a long time to come. And again, I was skeptical about it. I was like, "Mm," I mean, I only tried it because of the rave reviews of the currently reading community. Otherwise, i never would have picked this one up, but I'm so glad that I did. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Katie, it was so much book talk. Thank you so much. As always, our recordings for this, I'm always like, oh man, we're going long, but you're always up for it. (laughs) No, this is my favorite. We're extended cut of book talk for sure. So speaking of talking about books, if people want to find you, and connect about your books, about books that you're reading, that you're recommending, where can we find you all around the web? I'm mostly on Instagram at Katie Proctor Writes and
0: Reads, and I do have kind of a defunct blog at katieproctorwrites.com, which I need to probably do
1: some more with. But it does have all the places you can order my books from there. Awesome, love it. Well, you can find me anywhere on social media. At Sorta Awesome Meg, come find this show and follow us wherever you are by searching Sorta Awesome. We will meet you there. We would love to hear your thoughts on middle grade books, what you've read lately, and what you want to recommend. So come and tell us more about that. You guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.